In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. You have indeed found No Proscenium, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from sunny Los Angeles, and this is episode 368. This week on the show, we're taking a quick trip through the 2022 No Pro Gift Guide with No Pro East Coast Editor-at-Large, Blake Weil. Blake and I have pulled seven items from the gift guide to talk about. Originally, we planned to have Chicago curator Patrick McLean on to talk about the update to our Oculus Quest guide as well, but Patrick had a kitchen accident and had to hit up urgent care. Don't worry too much. He's on the mend, although you should see the size of his thumb bandage, Uh, and he should be back in time for our backer exclusive chat about Star Wars Andor, which you'll be able to find in our Patreon backer feed. This was by request from one of our backers. So, uh, Alex Kaloum, this one's on you. Uh, and who are we to deny the people when they ask for something, uh, which uh, almost is almost one could say was almost a theme of Andor. No, we're not doing that right now. So, speaking of our Patreon backers, we remain on the right side of the halfway mark of our five thousand dollar a month funding goal, uh, and right now we're just eight people shy of the 400 backer mark, which is uh, psychologically huge. So if, uh, if you have time, if, if the gift guide was useful, if this is useful, uh, throw us a little money. Uh, we love a $5 a month uh, subscription, uh, subscription backer. Anyway, uh, you get all most of the content for free. You're just saying, hey, keep doing what you're doing. That's what the Patreon deal is. We don't like to put a bunch of stuff behind the paywall. <laughs> I really don't want to have to put everything behind the paywall. Maybe it'd be better for me financially if I did, but I don't think it'd be good for all of us as a whole. And so these are the decisions I make. Uh, and you know what? We might just make it because we keep on seeing this grow. Uh, like our t- latest two backers, Joel Grinky. Um, Joel, I hope I got your last name right. I, I got to meet you in Denver. I was, I was glad to chat with you on Sunday at the brunches. Uh, and also Ethan Bach. Thank you both so much for jumping in. Uh, if you can... If you're listening to this uh, and you're not a backer, please jump in and back us at patreon.com slash no proscenium. Or if you already do, or if times are tight like they are for me, uh, take a moment to drop us a review on iTunes or your podcaster of choice and help spread the word. You can also share the work we do on your social media platform of choice. And there are so many to choose from these days. Find No Pro on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Hive. We're on Hive now uh, with more to come. And yeah, yeah, we're still on that other one, but that's only because we don't want to abandon you in your darkest hour. Uh, we're there beating the drum beat. Anyway, um, <laughs> we're also on the lookout for community partners. We're up for working out special deals for our backers. Backers, check your feeds because, of course, uh, you can still activate the discount $5 off 40 watts from nowhere. Uh, which you can find on the backer feed and also uh, Rumble uh, in the Jungle Remix coming to London. You've got a discount code in there for that as well. And we're going to have something special next month, which I may or may not have talked about last week. As always, big thanks to our sustaining backers, Samuel Mystery, Chris Woolman, 
Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentes, Winthorne, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hanson, congratulations on Camp Christmas, Lonnie, Sydney Guillory, and Jan Budman. Thank you all. You are the rock upon which this alliance is built. Wait a second, that's for next episode. Okay, that being said, <laughs> let's get into the 2022 holiday gift guide. Here we go. As promised, Blake Weil, East Coast Editor-at-Large here at No Persinium, is joining us to talk about this year's No Pro Gift Guide. Hi, Blake. Hi, everyone. Good to be here. We've got quite the guide this year. I'm really excited to dive into this. Yeah, this is. The, I think I probably mentioned in the cold open, this is going to be a three-man job, and uh, Patrick uh, engineered uh, having to go to urgent care for his finger in order to get out of the recording. So we see you, Patrick. We know what you're doing. You better be around for the Andor recording. Anyway. Um, <laughs> he's on the naughty list now. He's not getting any of these lovely gifts. He's getting coal. He's getting coal, coal, and maybe, maybe some Neosporin. No, uh, I hope Patrick's feeling better. Um, we've got, uh, we've each pulled three from uh, from the uh, collection that, uh, mind you, it wasn't just Blake and I who put this together. It was Patrick and Kevin and Danielle and Leah all, and I think some other folks, Edward. Uh, I'm not looking at this moment. I've got other windows open. So if I've forgotten anybody on the team, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't see your piece yet. <laughs> You're late. <laughs> So uh, when I'm recording this, uh, but we're going to, we're going to have us, uh, Blake and I are going to rotate off here and Blake, uh, you drew the first slot. So what is the first thing from the gift guide you want to tell our lovely listeners about today? So when I think of what brings immersive home for me, uh, the first thing I think is all the delightful scents and sensory experiences those bring back to me. And when I think about what kind of the winner of those scents was this year, it was the fantastic smellscape that was the Burnt City in London, Punch Drunk's latest tour de force. And naturally, everyone has become obsessed with this scentscape. And one of the recurring questions on the forum has been, what is the amazing scent that Hades is wearing in the Burnt City? Especially because he has some very dramatic intimate scenes and some of the smaller rooms of the set. So it really becomes signature to that character. And while well, well, Punch Drunk has been fairly tight-lipped, uh, some, some kind folks over on the boards have deduced that he is most likely wearing Pomegranate Noir by Joe Malone. It is... A really fantastic cologne. I've I've managed to sneak over to my local Zephora and uh, take a spritz myself. And yep, I am in full agreement. That is what he was wearing. That really brings me back to Troy. Do we know how many visits to the Burnt City uh, the folks who deduced this undertook in order to sleuth out the set? So I myself... I'm able to recognize the scent on prompting after two visits. However, the the sleuths are, you know, 30 to 60 visit super fans who have been going, you know, once or twice weekly this year. These are people who are 
pretty consistently posting. I, I will comment. I am not a primary poster. I'm not throwing in trip guides. I don't, I don't have flight to London every week kind of money, sadly. Uh, Philadelphia is pretty far from Troy, but no, there, there was some divisive argument actually, because the big company that most people associate with Punch Drunk for Sense and actually was featured in the show to some capacity, they're speculating, is Demeter Fragrances, who do real sort of library of scent, home fragrance stuff. Demeter, ironically, uh, Hades' mother-in-law. Um, mm-hmm. However, this one, because it is coming from an out-of-left-field provider, took a little bit more detective work, but it is it is well worth it. This is a really nice smell because it... Joe Malone in general, I like because they're really sort of broadly gender neutral, that a lot of their scents will work for pretty much anyone. And this is one that is firmly in that camp. Uh, Man or woman in your life, this is definitely going to be a nice fragrance for them. And it's going to bring them right back. Fantastic. Well, and uh, in Pomegranate being a a perfectly mythological choice for uh, Hades as a scent. It's so on point. It's... It's calling it delicious sounds like I'm trying to make some sort of tortured pun, but no, it's, it's perfect. And it's, it's that just the right level of on the nose where you're smelling it. And in somewhere in your subconscious, you're going, oh, that's cute before you even have ID'd it. Nice. Well, speaking of dark, delicious, and a bit tortured, uh, my first poll uh, was suggested by Shelley Snyder, our London uh, coordinator, uh, curator, uh, and that would be House of Leaves by Mark Danielinski. Uh, the 2000, it came out in 2000, so it's 22 years old now, novel that is in so many ways, sort of presages the arrival of ARGs. Uh, it is this lovely um, uh, story within a story that has uh, a kind of light, well, <laughs> light question mark, a puzzle layer to it. Um, ostensibly, you're you're reading a a, a story about a man who found this book and the book is driving him mad. And the story within the story is actually my favorite part because it's this little horror tale about uh, a house with a feature that shouldn't be able to exist in Euclidean uh, event space, if you will. Um, House of Leaves is uh, very, very well beloved. If it's a, a novel you haven't encountered already on your tours through uh, alternate reality games and science fiction and horror, then I'm absolutely shocked. But for those of you who haven't and who are drawn to all of those genres, uh, who love the idea of taking a book and uh, finding hidden messages within it, of a book that can be read in a non-linear fashion, if you should should so choose, all of that's here, uh, very very easy to get to. Uh, there's some early editions of it that had um, different color coding uh, in the the works, 
so you got very very complicated. But those those are those are a bit harder to come by and more expensive than the the twenty five dollar sort of basic House of Leaves edition. Uh, also. Um, I can't remember the exact name of the album, but uh, Daniel Winsky's sister uh, is the pop performer Poe, who had uh, a hit album around the time that the book came out, a little afterwards. Indeed, the song Angry Johnny is uh, about the lead character in House of Leaves. And so the, that album and the book are kind of in conversation with each other. Uh, it's uh, it. it it sort of defined actually uh, 2001 for me. It was, it was the book I spent most of that year reading. Uh, and uh, legend has it, it was partially written uh, inside the uh, box office of the California movie theater in Berkeley uh, because he was working there when he was going to UC Berkeley. That is what the legend uh, has. And I, I prefer to believe that to be true. <gasps> So you answered my first question, which was, what was your first interaction with this book? But that, now I just want to know, how have we not recommended this before? Because this was a formative one for me, too. This was one that I read. and I'm wondering, maybe we have? Um, <laughs> I'm looking no, through. I've, I've been back through our gift guides. We haven't. This is Amazing. so, you know, back to bare bones. This is... This is one of those works. It's the Ur text. I, you know, it yeah, it's like the Ur text for alternate reality anything, you know? It it it, it, it beats out it beats out uh Cloudmakers and it beats out Majestic and all that stuff by like a matter of months and it's a novel. Did this beat out The Beast? I this is around the same time as The Beast. You are reading this as The Beast, widely considered one of the first major ARGs is happening at the same time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because the beast, the beast was happening in like 2001 because AI came out, you know, right around the dark time, the darkest time. Um, and it's so uh, weird looking at the box office from that weekend. I, it is something that my mind goes back to all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, no, this, this beat, this beat the beast. This beat the beast to market, as it were. Not that they were in competition with each other, but in in so many ways defines the era, because it's sort of like this was this was a book that in so many ways couldn't happen until the internet had happened, until hypertext had happened, because uh, enough brains were primed to to explore things this way. Much in the same way that ARGs couldn't really happen until people had, had been marinating for about half a decade in following links and chasing things around. This came out, this would have come out, um, what would that have been? Like the same year that um, Blair Witch Project came out. And and the, the, the story within the story has very Blair Witch vibes. Um, I, if, if you were not of I this era almost, and you want to know what this era was, read this book, watch Blair Witch, <laughs> and you've got it all. That's sort of the fundamental kind of immersive thing here is that this is where we're seeing kind of that first melting pot where reality and fiction blur. And that's even more fun because that's also what the text itself is about. You have so many layers of that. And so fully endorse this pick as well um, yeah. for any puzzle lover. Speaking of puzzle lovers, Blake, I think that covers your next one. Am I right or wrong? Did I get this wrong? Did I get this very wrong? No, no, no. You you got this right. You got this very right. Um, Segway so achieved. I, I have hit 
a weird little snag in that I have a 10-year-old and I believe he's still seven, about to turn eight-year-old cousin. And I want to drag them into immersive world uh, with me so that I can let them know what Uncle Blake gets up to and what crazy nonsense he talks to with their father when he goes over for dinner. But I kind of don't have an entry point. They're even too young for escape rooms. And then I thought to myself, aha, let me look into kind of ways I can drag them in here. And oh my god, the Exit Games advent calendar is such a cute idea executed so well. I'm a really big fan of this. Um, For those of you who haven't played one of Exit Games' box escape rooms at home, I would say that between them and Unlock, they are the two strongest and longest running of the big multiple releases, pretty frequent releases at home escape games. You might find one or two hidden gems that are like one company's you know, magnum opus that they've put out. But in terms of consistent product launching, they are two of the strongest. And what they've done here is that they have taken one of their full-length at-home escape games, designed to last you between 60 to, you know, 120, 100 minutes, and they have divvied it up behind numbered little doors to give you a couple clues each day Uh, to make a full lead-up-to-Christmas escape room. With a fun Christmas theme, you're trying to recover Santa's magic book of Christmas wishes in a spooky old sort of Victorian village. It really looks like a ton of fun. And this is... I've played enough Exit Games um, that I am... I've gone in on this, and uh, December 1st... uh, my cousins are going to be opening this with me in the room, and I am just as excited as I hope they will be. So you you think that by it being bite-sized, you think the kids are going to be able to f- follow along and, and, and play through? Or, or has this one been expressly designed with families in mind? It seems like it's been designed with families in mind, um, just from theming alone, and also generally they're theming tends to trend towards families a little bit more. Unlock can get a little bit bizarre, which I love, but, you know, Unlock, you're doing Escape from the Island of Dr. Moreau, or you're assisting Arsène Lupin to heist a beautiful diamond from a countess, or they get a little specific. But but this one brings it back down to some fun fantasy basics, and it's family-designed, and it's bite-sized. And my hope is that not only does Bite Size make it accessible, but that Bite Size makes it addictive. That there is that mm. dopamine rush of the advent calendar. And pairing that with the escape room, I hope is going to make them lifelong escape room nuts like I am, so that I can drag them on my adventures with me when they're maybe a couple years older. Very good. I mean, there's also the danger that they're going to want to go now, Uncle Blake, now. So, Oh, well, if they want to go now, Uncle Blake, now, I know some great Philly rooms. Um, I haven't done the Midnighters yet, and I think that one is supposed to have like some family-friendly Goonies vibes, even if the puzzles are a little bit tough. And I also know that there is a fabulous Philly Alice in Wonderland room that I am forgetting the company that put it out that has some really accessible physical dexterity and scent-based puzzles that I know the two of them would be wild about. So I've got some backups in case uh, we need something fun uh, for the new year and they're too excited to wait for the real tough ones. But but we're going to hold off on sort of the 
spookier ones that I trend towards for a bit. <laughs> well, this is great because this is making me think of that we should start uh, in the NoPro Discord uh, a forum thread about family-friendly escape rooms uh, and get and get people dropping their recommendations because uh, particularly for, for for all things immersive, um, you know, escape games are such a great introduction to the form for people uh you know getting them out of the mode of just passively being entertained and the more we can have kid mercies the more we can have you know kids be part of this uh and and, and stuff being made expressly for families in mind i think uh i think we're going to see even better work over the long haul like this this is the long con of it all like more stuff that's good for kids more people whose brains are just forming kind of like be able to see around the corners that us olds with our static brains just can't envision what might be going on. The death of Pip's Island, the really adorable Times Square area children's immersive that had almost like a Sleep No More-esque scale to it, uh, that really is a pity. That was such a loss for the community. One of the really undersung tragedies of covid was the closure of pips island i really dug that that existed yeah well going from kid friendly to the least kid friendly thing <laughs> well half of this is the least kid friendly thing on the entire imaginable <laughs> yeah oh pretty my much God, no pretty much imaginable uh immortality the video game from Half Mermaid, uh, which is Sam Barlow's company, uh, this was put on the list by uh, Kevin Gossett, LA Review's editor. Uh, and I would not disagree at all. Uh, Immortality is this incredible game um, that is, to call it a full motion video game, would be right and wrong all at the same time. Um, this game asks you a very simple question. Whatever happened to Marissa Marceau? Uh, she was an actress who made her debut or or would have made her debut in the late 60s in a kind of uh, Italian B-movie exploitation flick uh, that never managed to come out and then but was then wrapped up into a 70s crime exploitation flick that also never managed to come out flash forward to the nineties. Uh, and she's making one of those Soderbergh esque thrillers on uh, digital eight, uh, that also never managed to come out. There's just something mysterious about the life and career of this actress and these fabled films. And you, you have been uh, presented with the challenge of a vast digitized trove of film clips from these three films, along with archival footage from the making of these movies and are tasked with assembling uh, the story of what happened. Uh, it's, it, it's not that you just get a big dump of clips, but indeed the mechanic of this is that you are watching along and you might, your eye might settle on something interesting. So you stop and then you click on the image and that image will jump you somewhere else. 
to a different place in the movie or maybe into a different movie altogether or into some of that behind the scenes footage. And through this kind of free association, you start to assemble the films. But then stranger layers get hinted at and ultimately revealed. Uh, Immortality, these movies have full nudity, violence, uh, sex. Uh, they are exploitation the, films in the extreme. Blake, go for it. The crazy giallo weirdness that yes. everyone knows that I go nuts for, but like cranked up to 11 and also with meta giallo weirdness superimposed over them. Oh, yeah. there, there's There's layers to this that indeed only reveal themselves through effort and time, a very specific combination of those. And you'll find that people like to talk around immortality because it's just one of those things that you really need to experience, which is why it's perfect for a no pro gift guide because it is straight up that alley of, uh, you gotta, you gotta see it for yourself. You gotta experience it for yourself. Um, also, uh, not only is this something that is available on uh, PC and on console, but as of last week, thanks to Netflix, it's available on uh, Android and iOS devices if you have a Netflix account. Um, it's just free. Um, you can download the, download it. Uh, I haven't done that uh, because uh, I don't I don't currently have a Netflix account. Um, uh, and so I can't speak to how it is on the phone, but I can say that when I played, uh, I know a lot of people swear by controller because there's uh, some a little haptic feedback in the controller uh, that helps guide you toward, through some of the, um, the layers, if you will. But I preferred using a keyboard, mouse, and headphones uh, because it made me feel like I was using a digital... Uh, editing station in order to go through the clips. And I found that to be uh, a slightly more immersive way. I could imagine myself uh, an editor tasked with a cursed editing machine uh, diving through all of this footage, uh, revealing just, just, just wackiness. Um, I I hit credits on this and indeed no, no two people's paths are going to be exactly the same. Another fun, immersive uh, trait of this. Um, and I'm still threatening to go back at some point and, and unlock and get unlock everything else because it is it is something else from top to tail uh, immortality. I also wanted to note that not only is it oh go for it Blake I got one more thing on this. Oh I was going to say is Christmas not gross and weird enough for the loved one in your life? Immortality <laughs> will will spice up this holiday season. Listen, oh, the fact that it is on Netflix on phone now has now completely just completely derailed my thanksgiving study plans so thank you noah thank you as someone who's played through about the first hour on a friend's pc and was planning on getting it over winter break between blocks nope plans out the window playing through the whole thing now (laughs) okay try to wait to download it till we're done we've we've blown through this podcast so far so you don't have much time to wait Okay. Um, there is one more thing about this though, is not only is it on PC and console and Netflix, but it's also on Game Pass. That would be Microsoft Game Pass, uh, specifically on, I, I can't remember if it's on console Game Pass, but it's on PC Game Pass for certain. Uh, and Game Pass is 
bang, you know, pound for pound, dollar for dollar, particularly the ultimate version, which includes the cloud gaming uh, access, it is the best value in gaming. If you get the the ultimate, which I think is like 15 bucks a month, uh, that unlocks cloud and cloud allows you to play a bunch of games in browser. So you could be playing a PC game on your Mac in browser, streaming, nothing to download. Often, if your connection is decent, plays like a dream. You can get some of this stuff playing on your phone. I use um, I use a backbone controller sometimes and wrap my phone in that and then play PC games on my phone with a controller. The only downside is, you know, not every game is optimized uh, remotely for a screen that small. So, you know, technically you could play Halo, <laughs> any of the Halos on your phone that way. You just won't necessarily be able to see what you're doing. It'll control perfectly. It's just hard to read and, and draw reticules. But it is really this wonderful library full of indie games. There are all of these narratively driven games, games like Norco, uh, games like, oh, I'm going to Citizen Sleeper, um, just, just a bunch of stuff in there. Uh, Signalis, really incredible, moody, thoughtful, interesting, uh, you know, stabs at, at, at doing narrative a different way. And almost all of them come out day and date. So you, you don't have to spend $25 to, to try out this indie game that you might not know you're going to like, uh, but it's all there on Game Pass. Does it, does it also mean that like you're not paying those indie developers directly? Yes, but you know what? If you love it enough, go throw some money at them later. The beautiful part about Game Pass is uh, it, they still get paid. Like At some point in the thing, they got paid, and hopefully this enables them to make even more strange games it's really um, you know, a new era in video games and particularly when it comes to narrative gaming and the kinds of games that are going to go on to inspire more strange, real-life immersive creations. Uh, you're seeing the next wave of it. You're seeing something that's in deep conversation with our little field or right there on Game Pass. And it is not that much a month. It's definitely less than the cost of a game each month and just this massive library. So if you are looking to bring your massive experience, maybe a little bit smaller, maybe a little bit more intimate, unfortunately, my next recommendation is just for the New York audience. But we've got some for people all over the country. I am going back to the escape room world to recommend Heresy 1897 as sort of the the must-gift experience of the winter. Uh, Coming out of Doors of Divergence, Brooklyn's newest escape room company, it is one of the most exceedingly ambitious escape rooms I've ever done, but also perhaps one of the best executed. And what what really makes this one special, though, is that, as you said, the immersive standby, no two people are going to have the same experience. Well, sorry, I take that back. I did the math, and if they're following the plans they did, then it will be no... You Maybe there are... Oh, God, was it... Well over, like, 
64 or more potential paths through this thing. A baffling number. The cocktail napkin math was mind-boggling in its scope. But the basic premise is this. Uh, you have found your way into Paradox, the bar between worlds in which people from all times and eras and possible realities find themselves dumped unceremoniously through a rift in space-time. And through these same rifts, we can access currently two, but eventually three different eras. One in the 1890s, one is going to be in the 1910s, and one is going to be, I believe, in the 60s. And so you are tasked with finding out what exactly happened? How did this rift open, and can we close it? And this story begins with Heresy 1897, in which Edmund Cavanaugh, a heretical alchemist, is being charged by a secret and mysterious order with perverting their teachings and going well off script with his ambitious experiments. This would be a fun enough escape room, whether you were helping him or hindering him, but the fact that you can make those choices, and the fact that certain choices are going to be almost seemingly randomly made for you, and that you are tumbling through all possible realities to reach one of several endings to this room. And then you can pick up from where you left off, and the next room will remember your progress with live actors responding to the decisions you made, potentially helping you, hindering you, passing judgment on you, having been, had their lives destroyed by your terrible actions. Or maybe you've created a new villain, unforeseen by your well-intentioned actions. All I know is that I accidentally started World War I when I played it, and the proctor <laughs> from that secret order was fuming with me. Just absolutely fuming with me. The room itself is gorgeous, a uh, spectacular set and sound design in that room. Um... I, I should disclose, uh, I do have now recently hired one friend uh, working on the cast, but that my, my review of this place came out well before that hiring, and I stand by my word that this is kind of the king of escape rooms in New York right now. More than an escape room, an experience. Um, great bar also in Paradox. I mean, nice. you know, they're... Whatever their licensure is, it's it's wine and beer. But they get some really fun cabaret acts. It's a great, fun space. I got pulled into a one-on-one -on -one in the escape room and given an ominous fortune-telling session uh, that utilized the special effects of the escape room itself. You know, flames bursting in the fireplace the minute I was told of an ominous fate that awaited me when the tower was drawn from the tarot deck. Really top-notch stuff coming out of them. And that was and that was just when you were just hanging out at the bar one time? That was just when I was hanging out in the bar before the show. They were having oh, nice. Fridays and Saturdays um, on and off, depending on their schedule, depending on the season. They just have cabaret nights there, the Anachronist Cabaret. And they'll have people coming in doing different acts from different eras. So, you know, that night we had a, a 1910s, you know, burlesque fan dancer. We had a very sort of like 1930s Sally Bowles Cabaret act. We had... Um, 
a very sort of like modern 80s like pseudo drag number we had a magician done up with almost like a 1950s sort of lenny bruce style patter going on and that was, was all that was very, all one night that was all one night and you're just oh, wow. swapping errors wow. between the yeah. acts um fully within theming they're also continuously adding theming to the bar and so you know they'll they go you never know what's going to fall through the rift next and you end up with furniture acts and decor from all around different eras we've got this very like modern like seven somewhere between the 70s and the apple store minimalist furniture we've got a stage out of like a very sort of like 1930s bandstand we've got a medieval like feasting table in one of the corners they really lean into the aesthetic it's a lot of fun yeah, no, and and makes uh, makes for a great. Hey, look what we found! Uh, kind of kind of action on on the furnishing. So that's that's brilliant. So that sounds like both a great thing to grab uh, gift cards for your friends or to take a group of your friends out uh, to go check out, and then you know kick around, hang around the bar that night, uh, a full night of it all in one spot. Um, that was the New York line. Uh, you know, we want to make sure that we're we're acknowledging that there's more than just uh, the coast. So I'm going to drop LA in a second here, but uh, Danielle look, uh, Danielle look, put something in here that you can talk to real quick, uh, which is not just uh, part of part of uh, you know our our two big markets. Oh my God! I wish I could talk to it. This is one of my big like. I'm kicking myself for deciding to do med school events of the year. Uh, <laughs> Penhurst Asylum has decided that. They want to give everyone their Camp Crystal Lake experience. Uh, Camp Crab Hill. Oh, God, what a perfect, like, uh, spine, like, uh, something's wrong name. Basically, they do an overnight horror campout involving a ghost hunt, escape room style puzzles, physical challenges, uh, watching the trailer uh, and looking at the website. There's waivers you can sign for people to touch you. So it looks like you can have, you know their equivalent of Jason kidnap you and tie you up and, you know, wait to come back with a machete. But what's that? My goodness, you can reach a key with your foot. Oh, if only you can get out in time. It is exactly that perfect summer spooky horror tone. And you know what? I'm on summer break next summer. I think I'm going to 2023. Uh, But that's the fun of NoPro. We've got something pretty much everywhere. Uh, and that's that's and in Spring Rowan. City, Pennsylvania, uh, for, for right outside of Philadelphia. Exactly, right outside. I could drive there in fifteen minutes, door to door from my house. Well, well, don't drive there right now because it's not until <laughs> the summer. So it's hold on. Hey, they have <laughs> ghost hunts excited. all year. Maybe I'm in the mood for a spooky winter ghost hunt. But no, I'll wait. Right. I'll be good. I will wait for the big one. Out LA way, I want to point everyone to 40 Watts from Nowhere. That is the show from Mr. and Mischief. And yes, we had Jeff and Andy Crocker on the show, the podcast, just a few weeks ago. Uh, It opened up, uh, I think, two weekends ago as I'm recording this. And uh, I got a chance to catch it back when it was at Without Walls in San Diego. And the thing that's been a highlight for me over this social media apocalypse weekend is pretty much no matter what platform I was on, I've been seeing folks talking about how much they love this show. Uh, It is the story of Sue Carpenter, a woman. uh, This is a real story. She ran a pirate radio station out of her bedroom closet in her apartment uh, back in the 90s 
in Silver Lake. And uh, the kind of thing that would happen is, you know, it'd be the middle of the night. She was trying to sleep. One of the DJs would be in there and they would bring Anthony Kiedis and Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers to play a set in the closet. Uh, And they would and would go out all over Silver Lake. So the show puts you and some of your friends into Sue's shoes and you get to run the station KBLT for a bit. Uh, It's just filled with joy. It is a really unique experience in and of itself. If you have some college DJing in you or you ever did any DJing whatsoever in the sense of being a professional disc jockey, like being on air, it brings all of those memories back. If you've never done it, it gives you a real taste of it and just does fun things with that format. Uh, it's not an escape room. Uh, it's it's a, an experiential piece of theater in so many ways, but it's 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 its own thing. Like like David Pumpkins, it's its own thing. And folks are really, really coming around to this. Uh, and uh, it's running right now through the middle of December. So make it an early Christmas gift uh, to your friends and family. And if we're all really good, maybe the show will extend. A Christmas miracle, that would be. As, yeah. <laughs> as a former college DJ, this is... A real jealousy show for me. This is going to be one of those white whales like the like the Grand Paradise that for years I go, oh, if only I could have caught that one. So uh, make sure there's no more me's. Uh, very <laughs> Christmas Carol. This is the future if you do not change your ways and buy a ticket. I, uh, I'll i say this much. I, I think that there's a good chance that... Um, over the long arc of history that I think this show might be able to like, you know, pop up in other places. I don't, I don't think Jeff and Andy have plans for that, but uh, there's, there's only so much of a barrier. A lot of this show could be packed up into like a part of a storage container and unfolded in, in other spaces. So Blake, I think one day in the grand scheme of things, you too will get to be Sue Carpenter and you too will find yourself 40 Watts from nowhere. One can only hope it's not too late for this bitter old soul. No, I, I'm really, I'm really thrilled that we're seeing more experiential documentary. This is a space that I know Darkfield has started to poke their head into this year. Now, Mister and Mischief. This is really becoming kind of the next immersive frontier, and the fact that we have what appears to be an emerging early classic in that genre is really a Christmas gift for everyone. Indeed. Well, we ran through six of the possible gifts in the gift guide. There are more in the gift guide, which you can find on the website as I'm talking. It better be there by now. Uh, It's my fault if it isn't, Uh, but uh, this is going out before Thanksgiving. And yeah, Blake, uh, any last notes about uh, giving gifts to folks uh, who are immersive fans or, or using your power of gift giving to maybe create some immersive fans? My aforementioned little cousin was given a uh, birthday scavenger hunt for all of his birthday gifts this past weekend. So, you know, always ways to spice up even the smallest gift into a full experiential adventure. But but beyond that, I think I what I really want to say is just that when picking a gift for an immersive fan, The question isn't, oh, does it, you know, remind, other than giving them an experience, which is always a great gift. The question that I always go to is, is this going to create 
a moment of another world for them. And everything we mentioned today, from the pomegranate noir perfume to the theatrical adventures of 40 Watts from Nowhere, there are ways that they find, if not an escape, a little bit, a little moment of a different perspective in their day. And I think that's great. I think that's magic. And I think there's a lot of ways that you can find that even outside of our gift guide. Not that I'm saying don't read it because it is the, it's a great jumping off point, but try to put a little bit of that thought into any gift you're given and the immersive fans in your life will be very, very happy campers. Indeed. All right. Well, that's it for our tour, our little our little skimmy across the top of the No Proscenium gift guide for 2022. And uh, Blake, thanks for uh, for hopping in and help uh, helping us uh, get through our our little uh, hmm, our little forest of 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 little Christmas gift trees, as it were. Thank you so much for having me. Happy holidays, everyone. Uh, safe Black Friday shopping, everyone, and Godspeed. Have a good one. Once again, I want to thank Blake for taking a trip through the gift guide with me. And you can find said gift guide in the show notes and on the front page of No Proscenium, even as I speak. That's it for this episode. That's it for us. Uh, well, kind of it for us before the break here. Uh, there will be no newsletter this weekend. I need some time off, uh, which I will probably spend doing like business admin stuff. Um, <laughs> it's the nature of the beast. I'm also cooking, cooking for my mom and me tomorrow, uh, which uh, I don't do. Uh, I haven't done like in a hot minute. I'm kind of looking forward to it. There's this uh, not making a turkey. Uh, not that I don't like turkey. I, I do, but it it's a lot of work and it's too much work for two people. And when you just get like a part of it, it's, it's not right. But there's this uh, butternut squash skillet chicken dish uh, that I really like because I love butternut squash. Like uh, the fastest way to my heart um, is through something with butternut squash in it, right? Like butternut squash ravioli. You can't get it right now. Like Rana had it forever. I would buy it all the time and I cannot find it it really makes me angry um because i love that stuff particularly this time of year get a little brown butter sage action going on like, like skip the alfredo make it yourself uh for the sauce and i don't have the time to make butternut squash ravioli myself like i am that kind of weirdo but i don't have a kitchen to do pasta why am i talking about food oh i'm hungry that's why i still gotta record another podcast anyway this butternut squash chicken skillet chicken if people want the recipe uh, hit me up on social where I don't know. You can't ask me on Twitter. If you ask me, uh, if you ask no pro on Twitter, no pro won't know. You got to find, come find me, come find me out there in, in the, in the, the multiverse of madness that is social media right now. Uh, come to our discord. That's the main thing. I should have to set everyone, put everyone to our discord. If you come uh, DM me on discord and I'll send you the recipe. Um, anyway, it's, it's really tasty. Uh, and then, you know, just kind of like going with some other stuff like bought from the store. So, but like one thing from scratch, one thing from scratch, uh, and the rest of it uh, kind of assembled uh, of the various uh, shelf, shelf stable and canned Avengers, as it were. Um, but uh, <laughs> a meager, a meager uh, uh, Thanksgiving repast for two. But I'm cooking for two. You know, uh, there have been years when I've done the whole deal. I usually have to go to someone else's kitchen to cook. 
uh, which is the thing I actually really enjoy doing. <laughs> Invite me over, I'll cook. <laughs> what have you gotten into? You won't know. Will it involve butternut squash? Probably. <laughs> There's a very good chance, particularly this time of year. Anyway, as you can tell, I'm looking forward to dinner tomorrow. Um, uh, Patrick and I are going to do this Andor thing in about, I'm recording that about a half an hour. And uh, I'm I'm riding high off the Andor season finale. I'm in the middle of listening to a more civilized age. They got the episode early. They did three hours on on a on a one hour episode of television, and I'm like, Yahoo! Um, uh, love it. Um, really love really love what those kids do. And yeah, um, we'll be back um, in full glory next week. There's a couple of long form. Uh, reviews that are brewing uh, that I'm also going to do a little work on uh, over, over the break. There's um, there's uh, uh, we've got Andrew recorded the New York city panel. I'm going to give that a listen, make sure the audio's uh, you know, good levels. And if it is, that'll be next week's episode of the podcast. It was originally going to be like a timed exclusive, which is like the end of the year is coming and there's scrambly. Uh, there's a bunch of interviews that are going to be, taking place in December, we're kind of setting ourselves up for January to come out of the gate really strong. Uh, so just sort of doing that work to keep the ship moving forward, uh, doing some work on the next stage 2023. Oh yeah. We're in negotiations. We're in negotiations. Uh, so, so working on the next, uh, event, working on the next few events, actually there's, there's, there's plenty of talks in, in play. So should be fun and interesting. Um, and yeah, like I'm still riding the Denver high. So, um, that's all that. That's what I'll leave you with just all my enthusiasm right now. Um, you hold on to it for me. I'll be back for it in like a week's time. Okay. Um, <laughs> put it like that. I don't know. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for what we got going on right now. Um, for the, maybe for the first time in, in a long time, I'm, I'm feeling good about things. Um, you know, in, in, in a way that didn't like go away after like three days. So, uh, let's just keep that going, shall we? And, uh, credits and scene <laughs> associate producer of this podcast is Parker Sella music for no percentage is by Chris Porter of the speakeasy society and solar, the podcast special thanks to Shavana Lachlan who here at the beginning of the show in our intro and everything wrong with this is my fault. I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, I'll see you at the show. 